9to5.cc. We're not working. Why should you? Thanks for listening. Welcome, loyal listener, to episode 221 of the Go Plug Yourself podcast. On this episode, Lawrence and I play host to none other than Alex Rose, man about town and professional film critic from Cult Montreal, Alex Rose. Uh, he's also um, Yannick Belzil's co-host on uh, one of Yannick's new podcasts called uh, Les Voyeurs de Vue. Uh, which is a French language podcast uh, about movies uh, hosted with uh, Yannick Brazil, who you might know from the Trois podcast if you're into uh, francophone podcasts. Uh, check it out. Um, they talk about movies, and they're both uh, pretty good at it. Uh, yeah, Alex is, uh, comes on the show to talk about the fact that he was in a car accident last year, precisely one year ago, last year. If you're listening to this on uh, release day on Thursday, November uh, 26th, 28th, whatever oh man i got the dates wrong probably uh it is the one year anniversary since alex got hit by a car uh he's fine though we talk about that we also talk a lot about movies we talk about uh the history of montreal murders and music and just uh have a really nice long uh long chat as we as we catch up um enjoy the show everybody and tell your friends about it if you do listen uh, support local podcasts uh we know there's a lot of big podcasts that we're competing against uh, but if you could uh, spread the word about go plug yourself if you do enjoy it there's not a lot of podcasts that are real montreal centric kind of putting the eye on montreal the way we do so uh please share like uh, subscribe on your on whatever podcasting app you do and uh, go plug yourself Go plug yourself, you plug another plugger. Go plug yourself, you plug another plugger. Go plug yourself, you plug another plugger. Go plug yourself, it's time for another. Go plug yourself. I don't need a free interview. It's friend of the show. Alex Rose, yay! Woo! <laughs> it is. It's me. Yeah, I, I was. <laughs> I was talking about it like with Sarah. I was like, I wonder how Alex is doing, and then I was like, I'll just invite him on the podcast <laughs> and find out. <laughs> yeah, um, the joys of having a podcast. Haven't spoken to Alex Rose in a little while. Yeah, I don't speak on. English anymore. I, I realize. Oh, because you're you're now you you podcast in French. Now. I podcast in French. My my girlfriend is French, and I don't have a job anymore, so I just kind of sit here. Mostly, I don't talk at all, really, unless I talk <laughs> yeah. to my girlfriend. So, and she doesn't. I don't live with her, so like, you know, there's some. The the other day, there was a day where I realized I didn't talk out loud at all. It was like 10 p.m. and I was like, I haven't spoken out loud today. So That's I had to just weird. call someone and go like, Oh, hey, what's up? <laughs> I yeah. just want to make sure I'm still alive and I'm still on this earth, like tethered to this mortal coil. That yeah. I find that uh, before you joined, Lawrence and I were talking about video games, and I find that if I like slip into like a whole day of video gaming, mm-hmm. and then like Sarah calls me, sometimes I answer the phone, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and she was yeah. just like, she's like, why do you sound so weird? And I was like, I haven't spoken <laughs> out <Yeah>. loud. <laughs> like, like the, wor- the worst part is for me, like, there's a couple of things, but the, one of the things is I, when I had a job often, I wouldn't speak all day. I was alone in the office. And so mm-hmm. that would happen to me like at, at home. Like I would, like, <laughs> I would come home, like, leave for work, come home. And I'd be like, I haven't spoken to anyone all day. And I was at work all day. Mm-hmm. No, not even say hi, you know, to like a cafeteria guy or something, just because I lived really close to my office. I would just like, it was like a, three block walk or whatever yeah, yeah and i would end up not talking to anyone so the this pandemic has uh i was prepared for that already you know yeah you're prepared for the isolation <laughs> so there's that you still but you so you don't speak in english but you still write in english yeah 
but so, all, all that's online so i don't have to talk to anyone ever yeah so, but I, I was gonna say but i was like so does that mean that like has your has your thoughts completely gone into french and then you need to start translating everything out in english or not at all not at all like to uh like not to get like too personal but like my ex-girlfriend that i was with for a very long time was anglophone and mm. so now I find myself often thinking in English and having to translate, you know, how I'm talking in right. English because my, my girlfriend now does not, um, I mean, we don't speak English. So, so, yeah. so often Why I'll, would you? I'll be like, uh, and especially bad when I'm, even when I do the podcast, I do podcasts in French with uh, Yannick Belzil from Trois Bières, uh, yep. movie podcast. And sometimes, yep. you know, I'll watch a movie and then I'll process what I'm going to write about it. And then I have to go talk about it in French. And sometimes that gets all fucked up. Like it doesn't make any sense. And I, I'll, <laughs> it's not just like anglicism. It's just like it's like this is not a sentence. This is not a word. You're just like making shit. <laughs> I was, was going to say. Yeah. So you're like, if you you watch if you watch an English movie, and then most of the time you like produce movie based content for cult, right. which is written in English, and then all of a sudden you're like, and now speak French yeah. about. <laughs> you're like when you've been like professionally critiquing movies for like yeah. 15 years oh uh, no professionally no like six years okay yeah. critiquing them are tangentially yeah exactly yeah more 15? than that yeah for, just for the hell of writing the reviews since i was like probably 15 but so yeah like, uh, you know whatever eight, 18 on live journal yeah <laughs> on uh imdb and message yeah, boards right. or whatever uh, back in the angel fire days exactly you <laughs> have to code your own stuff oh, do you man. find that when you're writing it could because you're doing media in two languages do you find that there's uh, a difficulty with one language over the other or that you have to prepare in a different way not really i mean so like i don't know if we, i've ever talked about this on the show but i mean i've been last time i was on here it was more, more than a year ago but i'm from Saguenay, which is like up north like pretty far it's pretty french and i went to english school my whole life so um i don't have like a uh I don't know if I have like a mother tongue that I consider, you know, my first language. Um, okay. All reading, writing, all of that I've done in English, but then I would speak French at home. I would speak French to my family and my friends and all right. that. And so I find it pretty easy to switch back and forth, at least in my head or easier. But then again, like it would be hard for me to write a, a movie review in French now, I think. Right. Um, it would take writing a lot. In French like even most francophone people i have though to yeah. like, like you know most francophone people that i have uh, in my life <laughs> uh, well the way you put that sentence together it sounds like you collect them you're yeah, like yeah, most of my francophones that i keep they're, around they're about like pokemon <laughs> <laughs> i keep them in small balls and then i make them fight each other uh, francois they, i choose you <laughs> but like i keep even, even coworkers even coworkers and stuff though they're like writing in french is one thing like but i mean like you write like in a okay. published newspaper, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they're like writing professionally is a whole other thing. And even a, a lot of my like francophone friends are like, I would not trust my writing. Yeah. In a professional sense. Well, I do. I write a lot in French. Like uh, often my job has been like copywriting in French. Mm. And so, but that's fine because you don't need a voice or anything. You don't need a personality or a tone. Like your tone is like, this is a bench. It's made of wood, you know, whatever. Like I do like a lot of that kind of like commercial copywriting. And so there in French, that's really easy because it's just, it's like churning out content, I guess. But I would, I don't know what my voice is, my written voice is in French. I don't know that mm -hmm. I have one. But although that, when I make jokes on Facebook and stuff now, it's mostly in French and mm -hmm. that's what they are. So sure, you're, you're, a lot of your so, French memes. 
Yeah, I'm more French now than I used to be, but you know, it's, I think it's who knows. I don't know. I, I mean, definitely when I was looking up your page to to do the very limited prep I did for this, right. uh, I <laughs> I don't commit to anything, but I had to check. My, my girlfriend's French Canadian, and actually, her her parents live in Saguenay now. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I had to check. Do they know each other? I mean, probably Saguenay. If, 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 if they're if they're in Lac Bouchette, it's a small community, man. Uh, Lac Bouchette is pretty; it's very small. Well, my parents are yeah. from up in your town, but like even the other day, like there's um there's a comedian called Louis Tay, like a French comedian. And the other okay. day, my mom is like, you know, Bruno, like the guy who owns the bar. I'm like, yeah, his his son is Louis Tay, like the the comedian. I'm like, okay, how come you've never told me this before? Like this guy's been famous like ten years, and my mom just tells me like a month ago. I was like, oh. <laughs> You know, like people who I know know him and stuff, and I was like, I just like this never occurred to you. And she's like, yeah, we've been friends with their her, his parents for like forty years. I'm like, and you never <laughs> mentioned this once, like when he was on TV or something. Like, oh, this, you know, she's just like, I guess I forgot. So they, people know each other, but it's to the point where you are so used to knowing each other that you forget to point out that you know someone. One <laughs> of the just, things, <laughs> one of the things that really shocked me is like when you hear the stories of like small towns and shit and people are like, we leave our doors unlocked. You're like, fuck you. No, you don't. And then when I was there, literally we ran out of sugar and my girlfriend's father, Andre was just like, go across the street to Martial's house. I'm like, dude, no. Like what? He's like, yeah. I'm like, he's like, go over, open the door, go into the kitchen. I'm like, I'm not walking into one. No, are you fucking kidding me? Like he's not the, home. No, yeah, no, he wasn't home. I'm like, I am the only Jew in a thousand kilometers, bro. I'm not. <laughs> I'm definitely not wandering into a stranger's house. Like, definitely not, man. I don't give a shit how quaint this place is. <laughs> These my people only, hunt. I'm not doing it, man. My only real experience of that was uh, in the town of Redfield, South Dakota, <laughs> which is remarkable oh. because i believe it's near the intersection point of like the two interstates that cut through south dakota and that's right. it a real uh, claim to fame yeah <laughs> yeah exactly there, and i'm i'm sure that on like the, the million years we've been doing the show i must have brought up the story but there's two two amazing things came out about came out of that trip that i will remember for like the rest of my life uh the first one was uh just one of the friends of the family that we were staying with just walking into the kitchen and not necessarily like just coming in for that, but we're just sort of like, we're just like getting a glass of water or whatever. And I just walked into the house yeah. and I was like, oh, hey. And like, I was like, what is happening? And they're like, oh. And then like, and everybody just act like that was normal. Oh, yeah. Like well, somehow yeah. they're like, it was like the break room at work, but it was your yeah, kitchen. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> how my dad's best friend, Alain's best friend for like, I don't know, 50 years or whatever. I would be in the shower and I would come out. I was alone in the house. And I would oh, come geez. out of the shower and fucking Alain is there. He's like, oh, I'm borrowing some CDs from your dad. And I'm like, how did you get in here? Well, the door is not locked. Right. I figured I knew everyone who would be in this house and they would be okay with me being in this house. And so it, would, it happened more than once that I would just like come into like my home. And then there's this man is there. He's just like going through <laughs> Bob Dylan CDs or whatever. Like, just like I'm borrowing some of these to rip them onto my, like I have a CD-ROM drive now and I would like to rip these, these CDs. I'm going to burn these. Yeah. So I'm going to copy like, and burn these CDs so that they become like my CDs. <laughs> then, he makes un- <laughs> then he makes unwavering eye contact. He's like, shouldn't you be in the shower? <laughs> Yeah. And, the, and the other the other thing about Redfield, South Dakota, and I don't know if there's a Saguenay equivalent, but there was a small town newspaper where part of the newspaper's content, because they're so like hurting for content, is they transcribe uh, every call to the police mm-hmm. station. Uh, <laughs> so there's like right. two pages of the it. Water. And, that's, 
hilarious. What's that? It's it's called the blotter, the police blotter. The police blotter. There's yeah, one. They... Westmount has one in the paper, whatever the Westmount paper is, the Examiner, yeah. whatever it's called. They have a police. Yeah. They have a thing where it's like the door was unlocked. Uh, the police checked. It was fine. They were home. Like the door was slightly <laughs> ajar. You know. I, f- yeah. I feel like that's the most passive aggressive way to like take a shot at your neighbor. Like if I knew like Keith yeah. was reading that in Westmount, I would be like, "Excuse me, sorry, this Keith Heisterman, real piece of shit, just a real <laughs> son of a, and just go off, and then they have to like be in print." With but, yeah, but the best part though is that we were so the the family that we were staying with like we were pretty young i guess i was probably maybe maybe 11 or 12 or so and uh, the family that we were staying with they had a daughter and stuff so i think we we were we were playing frisbee or something out on the street or some crap and we were like and i was fascinated by this blotter like i was like give me all your back issues of your newspaper i just want to read this because it's all the most mundane yeah, yeah. shit right it's like 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 you're like two girls were outside and like whatever else like that someone <laughs> should go check up on them but like you see that like and you're like and the call was logged at like 4 30 in the afternoon and you're like what someone called the cops <laughs> like outside of school hours so it's not like they were skipping like to who would call the cops on kids skipping who cares? But like, it wasn't even like school was in and it's like not late, but someone was like, someone should check up on these. Like, and it was like two teenage girls and stuff. And then yeah. sure enough. Uh, and the, the people we were staying with, there was like, you know, like just by being new people in town, you're going to make the section, Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> well, and sure, sure enough, because we were outside playing and they were just sort of like, uh, they were like, children are playing in the street at like, and it's like, I don't recognize one of them from the neighborhood or whatever yeah. else. Like, and it was just like calling the cops to be like, there's a child in my street and I've never seen him before. Is this normal? <laughs> like, you know, like, but I mean, like, I, so you might know also from my Facebook that I love like old newspapers and I'm like, yeah, old newspapers <laughs> and the pandemic has given me only time to read old newspapers and the thing that would happen in smaller towns in in the paper is you would write to the paper either to say you were going on vacation or you had people coming to stay with you so there would be a section and it's it's usually where there are like weddings and and obituaries and stuff there's like a little lovers are playing host to the heister yeah exactly the the social calls and stuff and (laughs) and like and i remember coming across this because um my ex-girlfriend her father was like he's he's pretty old he's in like his 80s and so Mm -hmm. i was trying to find stuff about him in the newspaper and i found several things of his first wife which was like i don't know like in the 50s or whatever um of like they were they had some people over and i was like this is so it's so weird that this is an information that i have access to 70 (laughs) years later like or whatever social life of like (laughs) yeah like your ex-girlfriend's parents yeah exactly and it and and that's why i love the the old newspaper and so now like i I was on a whole kick of murders like i made maps i'll send you guys if you are interested maps of the murders in montreal from 19 hang on i have a question is is to understand about this where where is your source on newspapers it all online now yeah uh, it's either google has some google like the gazette is on google newspapers Okay. And uh, the Bibliothèque et Archives Nationales has a lot of the French ones as well. Okay. Because so, I, I always see, like, you're, I was just sort of like, and in my mind, and it's just because I watch a lot of movies, I'm like, I was like, does Alex Rose have, like, a, a, a microfilm? A fucking reader? wish. A fucking <laughs> wish. It's, the scene <laughs> when he goes to the library and he finds exactly. out that the murderer is actually the other guy. Yeah. And he's like, one of yeah. the things that I, I'm really sad about the pandemic is like I don't have a job, so I could go to the fucking library and look at the ones that aren't online all day, but I can't because they've closed all that down. 
But anyway, so I had a whole I had a the whole true week. the true tragedy of the pandemic is Alex Rose can't read actual newspapers on a yeah. microfilm in the library. You know, when we when we when we look back on this period in history, I think that's yeah. going to be what we mentioned first. I mean, like, hey, what did you, you know? Like, what was the things you miss about the pandemic? You know, and just like, oh, see my friends, no, going to the library and reading a microfilm, reading Alopolis or whatever. <laughs> uh, but so. What, what, uh, I was doing so reading the old newspaper. I found out like that, like it, it, up until fairly recently, when there was, there was a crime of any kind, they would put the address of the, where the crime happened in the paper. I vaguely um, remember that too, where they were like, like shooting at this yeah. address, and you're like, whoa, and and you go there, and it lasted <laughs> up until the the early two thousands. They were still doing that, and um, mm. and so I was like, this is fascinating that these. You know, and the first goal was to find somewhere where uh, someone I knew lived, <laughs> where there had been a murder. <laughs> so I just writing them naturally. Down. And then I had this huge document. It was like, I don't know, like 40 pages. And I was like, I bet I could put these on a map and the document wouldn't be so heavy. So now I have, they're not complete, but I have maps from 1956 to 2019 <laughs> of all the murders in Montreal, where they happened, the address, the ages and the names of everyone who got murdered. And if you know who the murderer is, I have that too um dude you should sell that well i you know well here listen listen you're unemployed (laughs) when uh we we had um we had a guy on the show uh who donovan king who does ghost just like a montreal ghost walk yeah yeah, yeah. uh you should just do a murder walk like when the pandemic is over Uh, you're like you're you're now the authority people have told me and it's a thing that if you walk around with me less now because it's the pandemic but like if you're anywhere walking with me I'm for sure going to point to some place and go, there was a murder here. (laughs) People are like, it's like Rain Man. Just like, oh, there's a murder here. And then (laughs) I don't remember what the murder is. And sometimes I remember exactly what it is. And so anyway. um, And it's also going to solve your problem of not talking to people. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And so when I I got done with that, I, I wound up like kind of like being... To me, more interested in sort of um, the music pages in the paper and sort of the clubs that were in Montreal and like what bands are playing at what clubs because you always hear old guys go like 1967 I saw Frank Zappa at the new Penelope on Blurry Street and you're like okay I don't like okay old guy but <laughs> but then I was like okay but what who else played like what were like I because as you can see here uh, Lawrence there's a lot of records a lot of a lot of vinyls but yeah, yeah. and uh, so I like music and i like sort of like obscure things and so i started making a document of every club in montreal their set like the listings like everything that every band that played in every club no, i'm just in 1979 which is just randomly where i was when i decided to do that um which is also fascinating but it's also much harder because i think you had to kind of pay for listings or you had to have like a connection mm-hmm. with the paper like the gazette i'm using the gazette now so there are a lot of smaller clubs or smaller. Yeah, you you would need to. I don't know what it would be, but like you kind of you need to find like the Village Voice or whatever yeah. of Montreal, which yeah. I'm sure is non-existent. Well, it would be the Mirror, but that, even that starts like in the '80s. So yeah, um, but, but yeah, so, but it's, it's it's an interesting thing for sure to find and like see that there were like kind of like uh, Montreal club bands that would just play like. A week here, a week downtown, a week in the West Island, a week, you know, whatever, out east. And they would, that would be their whole job. Like the Stephen Barry Blues Band plays every night of the week somewhere in Montreal for a whole year, you know, like true Stephen Barry. Track that guy down. Yeah. He, oh, he's, I think he's still around. 
I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> are there any are there any comedy listings or is that in the same area yeah. or Yeah, well it just started oh. so like the first um comedy club in Montreal was Stitches, which was the pre-Nest. It was before, it was Ernie whatever whatever his name is from the Nest, but he it was know. on Crescent. It was on Lower Crescent like uh sort of like where the Mad Hatters is now, I believe. Mm-hmm. Stitches. Um, and it was called Stitches. Good comedy club name. And uh they don't do They the, still have Stitches. Uh, do they? Here yeah, in Montreal? They, they, no, no, in the States. Oh, okay. Um but the only person I've seen so far that, that was a name usually it's just kind of open mic. There was no scene or anything. So Howie Mandel yeah. played there for three days in seventy nine. <laughs> so there's that. Um, <laughs> but I guess it, it'll pick up because you're seeing now in seventy nine where I'm at, like cl- music clubs are closing because it's too expensive. Discos are more popular. And so, um, and so the comedy club pops out of that because it's like I guess cheaper to get comedians, and it was more like a, of a novelty at that time, I guess. But all, all the all the clubs where like mid range bands would play are, are all closing down in '79. So, oh, that's so sad. Are there, so, are there like closure notices and stuff in them? Oh yeah, they have like, like yeah, it's all everything is in there. There used to be a lot of information in the newspaper. There used to be printed newspapers too. So <laughs> <laughs> back in the nineteen seventies, exactly. Oh geez, I, I, I guess like I mean I don't know. I, I'm I'm trying to think of like where you can pour this energy into other than just like insane well, projects well, and spreadsheets. But, and but that was the that was that was kind of what I wanted to to get after to ask. Like you look like you're archi- like archiving all of this important cultural information about yeah. the city and the art scenes. To what end are you doing this? Is it something that you're going to kind of lead into a project or is it something you're just doing to kill time? Probably. I mean, it's both. Like when it started, I can admit it now. It was, I had a job where, like I told you, I would never speak to anyone. And often I didn't have anything to do. Mm -hmm. That was something to do that was like, kind of like, you know, better than just arguing with people on Twitter or whatever. Like it seemed more Zen to me. So that's how it started. Yeah. And then, and then a, so, probably for the best, honestly. <laughs> and then I got hit by a car. So I don't think I've been on the show since I got hit by a car. I, that was oh, that fuck. was that was a, that was a back pocket yeah. question for me. I was just sort of like I was like in between the last time we spoke and <laughs> yeah. now. You how did you get hit by a car? Uh, can I, Keith, I have to remind you, this is the first time I've ever spoke to Alex. So you really oh. buried the fucking lead on this one. <laughs> what? Like, hey, we didn't like we're not like here. Co- I was like Alex. You we know, didn't even like, introduce the show. You guys are such good friends. You're just like let's fucking do it for cult. <laughs> And we're 20 minutes in, you jerk. On the network. I was like, he's there's those are the things. I'm not gonna be like, hey Alex, you got hit by a car. I did, yeah. It'll be a year and four days that I got hit by a car. Shit, um, are you okay? I'm okay now. I was not okay, okay then. Wait, um, so this comes out on Thursday. Does it come out on the one year anniversary? Uh, the 27th, whenever that is. Yeah. So Friday? Yeah, Thursday. Yeah. This is right. the this is the one year anniversary of Alex getting my, hit by a car special, head. everybody. And you decided <laughs> to spend it with us. Exactly. Thank you so much, Alex. What an honor. Um, no, I, uh, could, I could tell you the story. So I was actually going to Yannick's, Yannick, who is my co-host on, and he's been on... Uh, on Google and he's Google. been a, also a friend of the show. Yeah. Yannick um, I was going to his house, and it was uh, November 27th. It was a really warm day, and it, and it was uh, raining, and it had snowed already, so it was wet everywhere. And I was wearing a black coat, and like I had a black umbrella and i was crossing the street at um, saint viator and saint Sorbet. and as i was almost across the street so like i don't know if you can picture saint viator and saint Sorbet. there's like a big church there and you can yeah. and if you're driving on saint viator towards the east you can turn on saint Sorbet towards the south and i was almost crossed i don't remember this is the this is uh what i surmised because i don't remember because i passed out 
but I was almost crossed and they didn't see me. They turned and they clipped me. Like they hit my knee basically. And I went, like they cut the corner too tight. You yeah. think? Like they did. Okay. Yeah. And cause they didn't see me. And so it hit my knee and I went flying backwards through the windshield. Um, Jesus. And uh, as this is, I passed out. I don't remember this part, but when I woke up, I was, I remember like being lying down on the dashboard of the, like just I'm on the split out in front of the car and going into my phone and telling them like to call my ex-girlfriend, like just like this, my phone, just call her, call her. She'll like, she needs to know that I was in this accident. And uh, there were a lot of people. It wasn't late. It was dark, but you know, now it gets dark at four. So whatever. Like, it yeah, was, yeah. And, um, and so they brought me to the hospital. I had like, my head was split open or back here, I guess. And mm-hmm. uh, I didn't know that my knee was broken, but I, that's what happened. Like, so I was just like, I was like, Oh, well, it's fucked up. You know, that you have like crazy adrenaline. So I was like laughing. I was like, it's insane that I got hit by a car. And I kept joking with the, like the, the EMT is like, wow, like, I guess it crossed this off my bucket list. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, they sewed me up and then I was in bed for like 12 hours or so. And I got up to go to the bathroom and then I just fell because my knee was fucked up and I didn't know. Um, so it's like, so I get like, wait, hang on. Yes. So this is the part that I'm confused about. Did they not like check the rest of your body? Well, like, I, there was no pain. It seemed fine. Like, I mean, my pants were ripped, so I guess. But there was. I, no... I, I mean, I, I again, I, I, have, I have no, I have no knowledge of how any of this happens. But I right. would feel that, like, like you know what I mean? Like, like they're, they're, and again, I'm just basing myself off like movies and TV shows. Like, obviously, the head trauma is the biggest deal. Mm-hmm. But, like, like you know, like, you see people being like, does this hurt? And they're, like, moving the arms around. Like, yeah. you could have maybe moved they, your no, leg. No, no, they did that. And I I, I didn't feel any pain. Well, your, I was, so your knee was busted, so but you were up. like, no, nah, it's fine. Yeah, it was so <laughs> fucked up on adrenaline. Like, I was so, or actually jacked up on adrenaline that it was mm-hmm. only after, like, I had slept some that I realized that my knee was, it was fractured. I didn't, like, there was, like, a crack in my knee or whatever. And so... I was off work for six, seven weeks or so. Like I was on uh, on crutches and I had to, I didn't have a cast or anything. I just had like a, a thing. Um, but like, you know, the first couple of days, it's, it's really like the, the, <laughs> the, the expression, like, I feel like I just got hit by a car. So what it felt like, it, it was like the worst <laughs> fucking hangover of my life. Like I, I was like, always like so dizzy in my head, like I had a splitting headache 24 seven. And I was just like completely messed up. But I, the worst part really is because it was re- around Christmas, right? And I couldn't move around. I couldn't do anything. And mm-hmm. I was just stuck on my couch. I had this, the thing and, and, you know, and so I couldn't even go to movies, which was the thing that I like to do, you know, it's like kind of mm-hmm. my job. Um, so, and then like mid January, I was off my feet and then, you know, less than two months later, back to the being stuck in the house. I lost my job right when the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. I went through a breakup. I had to move. <laughs> so, um, all, the, all around the pandemic time. All, like, all, was... Yeah, it was all, this was all in mid March, like, uh, or I lost my job and I broke up, uh, like in the same week. Jeez. And then COVID hit. Like, yeah. And then COVID hit, like, probably like four days after that or something. Like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, the, the start, the, the shutdown started like mid March. March 13th mm-hmm. was, I think, the when they, like, I think they were like March 13th was when they were like, things should shut down. And then by the, 20th yeah everything everything was shut down. The, i think <laughs> I, I believe the timeline is breakup is the 11th uh shutdown is the 13th and i lost my job on the 17th wow uh, and so since then it's been pretty smooth wow. sailing how is your 2020 <laughs> <laughs> um 
no, but so yeah, I, I got hit by so I've been like you know I had a little pre-lockdown workout. Uh, you know, <laughs> I was under lock. I've been under lockdown for a year essentially with a little break in the middle. Um, yeah, you're just like so you're you're January and February, like part of January, part of February, or December and January, basically. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you were like, "Here we go." Mm-hmm. Well, glad you're glad you're all right. Like I, I also obviously like put together that you're all right, but I remember like seeing like the Facebook post where you you wrote like the whole yeah story, and I was like, "Jesus, yeah." <laughs> you know, and you're like, I mean, "It was." I took a picture like because I was really like hyped up. I thought it was really funny that I got hit by a car because of all. Well, I guess I mean, like I can kind of see that, like if when you're when you're okay, and yeah. especially when you felt okay, yeah. And you're just like, oh yeah, obviously it was like a terrible thing, but I'm not in pain right now. I'm still alive, and that I, I would also be like calling people up, be like, oh, my God. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like my friend Mickey came to the hospital, and I was like, what the fuck is this? Like my head was like just split open, and mm-hmm. I took up uh, like a selfie, no, not a selfie, but uh, my ex took a picture of me while they were stitching my head up, <laughs> and that was my profile <laughs> picture. Like I was just like, and then I was more miserable like the day after when you know like everything calms down all, all of that shit like those endorphins or whatever leave your body yeah, and you had like you're like essentially a come down yeah like, and then the whiplash is crazy like you can't move your body at all like everything is sore you know and you're just and and it's they tell you for like two weeks to avoid screens which sucks, sucks because you. you know all we have now is screens so mm-hmm. you're just kind of like have a headache and look up the floor and kind of like it, it's yeah. awful, you know, like and so and you can't really focus for a while on I couldn't focus on movies or books or anything. I couldn't really do anything. Um, thankfully, that didn't last too long. But when that's all there is, you know, it seems like an eternity. Um, yeah. And the first time that I tried to leave, like I wanted to go. Oh, I was when then last Star Wars movie came out and I wanted to go review it. And that was a whole ordeal. It was a pain in the ass. It snowed. The movie sucked shit. Like everything was bad. It was awful. Like what a <laughs> terrible. You know, you're finally getting out of your house for your first time, and it's to watch the last Star Wars movie. So. <laughs> I, I I honestly feel like the only. I don't know if you've ever have you watched the Mandalorian all of it yet. No, I haven't watched any of it. I've watched I, season one. I watched season one too. I feel like the Mandalorian in the last. I would say since after the original trilogy is probably my favorite piece of. Star Wars mm. fiction, and just in terms of the canon and stuff, I wanted to kind of wax poetic with you, but you haven't seen it, which is unfortunate. Mm. But it's like it's it's structured very much like an old school western. Right. It's very cool, and they have like all these kind of side stories, and you can tell it's really like a love letter, and it's like very very heavy. Yeah, I think I feel like like watching Star Wars today. Outside of I will say like the the Mandalorian, I enjoyed. And uh, Rogue One, I enjoy, but I, I like, like Rogue One. Yeah, uh, but like I, I, everything post original trilogy, I was like the 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 sec the first the whatever the prequel trilogy screamed of like, oh, this is jo- what George Lucas thinks is cool about right. Star Wars, right. <laughs> which is not what we all thought was cool about yeah. Star Wars. But like the whole trilogy is just like that, and then the subsequent sequel trilogy is what like a board of directors thinks is cool about star Wars. Like yeah. it seems like a hundred percent paint by numbers. Like, like let's hit the star Wars notes. Right. And then, but no, the, no. Like, so like no one's been thing. interested in making a big, a, like an interesting star Wars movie. Right. George Lucas just wanted to make whatever movie he wanted to make. So he made three of them. Yeah. And now the next ones are like, like there were always commercials for toys, but like more, more but more was going on. 
and now they're just commercials for toys and yes. no one's interested in anything. Like it, it blows my mind how like, and then when you see something like the Mandalorian comes out mm-hmm. and like someone does anything remotely interesting, everybody's like, it's the best. I was like, you don't need to try that hard, man. <laughs> like, it's like, the thing is that it should have been TV. The whole, it should always have been TV is how star Wars, because star Wars is based on, the concept of cereals, not not yeah. food, but like the yeah. you know, and so and it's a serialized story. And for some reason now, when you make TV, people will do any fucking thing to make t- like they they don't see TV as a risk, even though it's now as expensive as movies. Yeah, exactly. Like, could have, well, Star Wars could have been HBO. Yeah, like boom. Now <laughs> suddenly they're like, we'll try stuff on on TV that we couldn't do on in movies, but I don't know why you couldn't do that in movies. Like I don't understand what the how the gamble is different, but I there's mean, some there's something I mean, very weird I think like happening in like Hollywood with like financing and stuff like like just like the fact that like the one that the one that stood out for me was the fact that like Scorsese couldn't get The Irishman made. Yeah, you know, and I was like, what? <laughs> like I was like 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 I'm like, what is happening with money in movies today? Oh. Where Martin Scorsese's like, I would like to make a big a, a big uh, gangster epic, and people are like, hmm, a Scorsese <laughs> gangster epic, but will it sell? You know, you know what I mean? Like you're like, yeah. what are you yeah, talking? And and but, especially like it's and people were like, oh, maybe because like Scorsese was like past his prime or whatever. I was like, we're like three or four years out from The Departed, which was like as complete grand well, slam. It, Fourteen years ago now, but when they well, first yeah. talked about The Irishman, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I understand that, like, because the thing is, for me, like when you're talking about like how is the gamble different? Like, movie is a the, like producing a movie and putting out a movie. I imagine is still so much bigger of a gamble than TV. Right, like TV, you have the the actual licensing fees that you're paying to whatever provider, so you have a certain amount of generated revenue, no matter how many people right. watch or not. Right, but like with a movie, uh, people are not going to the even pre-COVID, people were not going to the cinemas in the same frequency they were before. Right, like if you're like, oh, The Irishman, I wouldn't go fucking see The Irishman in theaters, bro. It's three hours long. <laughs> I saw it in it's like oh. I would I wouldn't see it in theaters. <laughs> I want to see. I want if I'm going and buying popcorn for forty three dollars. Buying a seventeen dollar mega drink and uh, bringing a date, and then I have to pay for parking or whatever the fuck. I want to see a big snazzy movie with effects and shit. I don't want to hear a bunch of guys sitting at the table. What about those great Robert De Niro uh, young man effects? The, the special effects on young man Robert no, De Niro. Yeah, he still moves like a fucking old man. You know what I mean, he has like the body of an aged man. His face is young, but then he needs like help to get out of the car. Like, no, this is the I'm most upsetting part of that film. See, this is the thing about and like Lawrence, what you're saying. Like, I've heard this. Many people say this. Like, it's not, you know. But the problem is that Hollywood has made it so that it's that way. You know, for like, sure. So, because there used to be movie theaters everywhere, movies didn't come out. You know, like you didn't wait for the week the opening weekend wasn't like all of it you know Mm -hmm. and so it wasn't necessarily cheaper to go to the movies before that's the other thing that i realized reading the old newspaper is that it's about the same like the the inflation hasn't been that huge but the the thing is it's like now we're we are our profit margins are on popcorn and on we have to put fucking stupid arcades that never work and we have to build 17 story movie theaters that are all empty yeah but like, I, and I think probably my guess is what's going to happen with COVID is if all of these like multiplexes and stuff, they all go bankrupt because they need, they're, they're functioning under like this idea that there need to be at whatever capacity at all times to be profitable. So we're going to see a, re- a return of the uh, like neighborhood movie theaters. 
Yeah. It's gonna like take dollar a while. cinema. Yeah, uh, yeah. Or just like a, a cinema, like a cinema down in the mile end or whatever. Like right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Places. But first of all, now there's a premium on just doing anything outside your house. Like people are not gonna wanna watch movies in their house anymore once we're allowed to go yeah. to yeah, there's good there's gonna be a boom <laughs> of yeah of like when, when it's when it's safe to do even when they were open, apparently. Not to say it was full, but like the people were telling me like at the, at the movie theaters with the socially distant seating, they yeah. were like, it was, it was picking up pretty quick of people being like, as soon as word got out that like you would go and there'd be nobody sitting near you right. and you'd have your own little like zone. People were a lot well, of people I know. were bro, like, Give me that forever. I want that forever. <laughs> can, I that, want, can that be the forever? I don't give a shit if we solve COVID or not. I want to go to a cinema and not have someone's arm on my fucking armrest, dude. Oh my God, dude. So they, I will pay extra. Please. They, we the last movie I went to uh, in theaters was uh, Color Out of Space, and I went to see it at the uh, Cinema du Parc. Sure. Uh, in one of the the you know the the, the newly renovated mm-hmm. where they're, they have it like they have new like, chairs like they're really yeah, you're like kind of in a recliner and yeah. there's like a foot of like little table yeah. in between each chair and I was like I was like this is the greatest move that Cinema du Parc ever made. They're <laughs> great. Yeah, I love those chairs. because I was like I mean like. Not to say they don't pack the house, but they don't always pack the house, and it's a small form thing anyway. And the people right. going there, yeah, make it comfortable, and people will like you're going there usually to see a movie that you can't see mm-hmm. elsewhere, and they already kind of have that niche. And I feel that by like going and sitting at Cinema Tobacco, it was always like, yeah, but the chairs are bullshit, was always like a concern. Yeah. <laughs> and but, then they would like read it all the chairs, and I was it, like, this is the greatest time of my life. <laughs> see, it's been like that, so like to talk about like movie, like I think so. The way movies were shown like before, in the, and I'm talking like 40, 50 years ago, is that basically there were continually movies. And so people would just buy a ticket and go to a movie. And often people... would be like, like, what's showing at three? This. Yeah. Okay. And, or, or just like, <laughs> can I buy a ticket? And there's usually two movies, right? It's a double feature. So you would just go, you would catch like the last 30 minutes of whatever. And then, you know, and so they would just run the, the movie constantly. And so it was pretty dirty, I guess. And it was... But the other thing that would happen is you had like use Montreal as an example. You had like on Saint Denis, let's say you had like Saint Denis, the whole thing, you know, like that goes up to Laval, uh, 15 movie theaters that had one screen and who mm-hmm. people would just go to the movies at their movie theater. That was the one that was right there. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, obviously now we're so used to having everything at the end. Like we just turn on our TV and there's like, I don't know, 50,000 movies that I could choose from, but people would wind up just seeing the movie that's playing there. Yeah. And that's kind of interesting, like just from a like a consumer point of view that people, you know, like it's the exact opposite of what Lawrence is saying, which is like just like when I see a movie, I just want to see a movie. I just want to not be in my house. And so that's what people would do. Yeah. And I I find that it's to 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 reference that only I know from movies is you kind of even see it in the dialogue of certain movies of the time. Right. (laughs) Right. Where where you see people being like, oh, like I went to go see this picture or whatever else like that. And they're just like. The way people talk about going to movies mm-hmm. in the old movies is just yeah. like, oh, you just went. Yeah, like, you, had to, you had to pick you know, out your fedora. Like, I didn't know anything about it until I sat. You had to, you had to like, put on your three-piece pinstripe suit to make sure Gertrude would get all hot and bothered. <laughs> like you had to, yeah, it had to be. In a, it's like when you watch old like hockey games and everyone's like waving their fucking hats around and shit. But like, <laughs> but it used to be an event, and then as much as it became like not like it's less of an outing, it's less important, and became more open to everybody, right? But then what happened is when you're talking about like the small neighborhood cinemas, those got eaten up by bigger companies. Yeah. And these are companies that just 
built huge buildings and they, they built things around them. Like I live in Ville Saint Laurent and like mm-hmm. the, the, the sphere tech was sure. like the birth of that whole little mall. And they kind of built it around that. Right. But then yeah. what we realize now was these, these cinemas have like a crazy amount of real estate mm-hmm. and a crazy amount of empty room that they're sitting on in like very prime locations around the city. Right. So <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just like, well, to speak of Guzzo, like, so I went to Vanier, so in the early mm-hmm. 2000s, so I would go to Sphere Tech a lot, but there was a guy in one of my classes who worked at the one in um, uh, Marché Central. Yeah. And I was and I was looking for a job, and I said, like, to this guy whose name was, it's uh, the name of the guy from Jane's Addiction? He, Dave Navarro. His name was Dave Navarro. <laughs> and I said, Dave Navarro, <laughs> I would like to work, work at uh, Guzzo. And he said, how old also, are you? Also, how is Carmen Electra? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and I said I would like to get a job at where you work. Um, and he said, "How old are you?" And I said, "18." He says, oh, "It's not going to work. They don't hire people who are 18 because they have to pay you more." And so he was like the manager and the projectionist, and he would like I think there's 18 screens at Marché Central, and he would be the like they would stagger all the screenings so they only needed him to start all the movies. That's why they have all those weird start times. And, and then they, they have... Always, they started, like, at the 15 and on yeah, the 10 and, because like, whatever they, else. Dave Navarro, I, I hope it's not him that still has to do it, but he has to <laughs> fucking run around his yeah. shift for eight hours, just, like, we're... And if, if... I think, you know, this is 2004, so I think there was still probably a lot of, like, 35 millimeter being... Yeah, it's not, a, not, like, actual real stuff. Yeah, like. so it might catch on fire, and he's off starting fucking date movie four dares doors down or whatever <laughs> and so they, they cut they cut you know they wanted to make the most profit possible so there's almost no staff the people who are under under 18 are just kind of like you know mopping up and stuff and being like yeah yeah you know, and they probably selling concessions yeah and they yeah, probably have like 50 kids working 10 hours a week so that I, they don't I, have to give anyone any like benefits i i also heard they wouldn't let the women wear pants <laughs> which is like oh, i don't know if that's true or not that's but i can just imagine i can just imagine like dave navarro like super svelte like in immaculate shape just like huffing it down <laughs> the top row of the cinema be like i have to start hotel rwanda at 903 <laughs> <laughs> because if i don't <laughs> i have no time to so like breaks. that model is dying right because the, they're already on such razor thin profits or whatever however they calculated that they were making money it was by fucking everyone, but I think a uh, you know a, a theater that has a screen or two screens and is a real movie experience. Like I went to years ago, I went to San Francisco, um, and I went to the Castro Theater, which is an old old theater in the Castro District, which is kind of like the the village of San Francisco. And yeah. um, they played mostly old movies, but um, when I went to see it, it was Sudden Impact, so it's like the third Dirty Harry movie, and RoboCop was a double feature. And in the middle, they have like a fucking organ comes out of the of the ground, and then a guy plays the organ for the intermission and stuff. And That's I was amazing. Out, if any movie was like this, I would just go to the movies. Like it feels like, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, I think the like I went to one down when I went to San Antonio, but the the Alamo Draft House chain, sure, I yeah. feel has has really tapped into that. Yeah, because like the so if you're not familiar, uh, listener slash Lawrence with, with the Alamo Drafthouse movie, model, I am unfamiliar, brother. So Educate. what they do is they, they basically like remember um, like from childhood, like there was like the the Cineplex Odeons that only had like six screens. Oh, stuff. those are the those are those are my er, legitimate. Yeah, exactly. Those are like my the, earliest the memories. Like my yeah. grandfather taking me to the Mask with Jim Carrey 
at yeah. one of those tiny cineplexes. I'm like, yeah. so these little cineplexes are all over the place, usually in like dirt malls, and they're all over America. <laughs> so what uh, what the Alamo Drafthouse model slash layout is is they take out every second row. So they basically half the capacity of the theater. And then in between that row, they basically uh, have like a bar table that goes end to end in front of you. And uh, you can order beer <laughs> during the, the thing. And you have like, there's a, a I guess like a, a waitress or whatever. It's like you write what you want on a little piece of paper and you attach it to a little clip and thing maybe they're maybe they're digital now i was here a little while ago mm. and a little lady kind of like scoots in through the through the aisles grabs your little ticket and then comes back a few minutes later with your beer and then at the end you you settle up or you pay it's tapping or whatever so a you can get beer delivered to your chair in the theater while you're drinking it and b um two amazing things that happen as a result of that is because they're alcohol uh it's 21 plus so there's no children in the movie theater so, which is like a huge bonus, especially, and then uh, like the other amazing part about it is they, because movie going is now like an experience, they play old movies all the mm -hmm. time and they play like, they'll play runs, uh, they'll do musicals, they'll do like, uh, just like, like, like weird movies that have callbacks. Like I know Montreal does like the room screening and stuff, but they do a lot of those. Like when we went to go see it, they did, uh, we went to go see, it was, it was digital, which was like kind of a bummer but we went to go see psycho but it was still still cool to see psycho on a big screen even though it right. wasn't like wasn't so it's, original it's, is, it, is it mostly like cult movies or things that have like a very specific kind, kind of yeah that's it like they'll, they'll usually but they also like i'd say that like, if you if you go to like alamodrafthouse.com or whatever and look them up i would say it's about half and half where they'll do like cult stuff but then they also have like new releases yeah and when we were when we were talking to the to the guys kind of like who run it and they were like yeah a lot of people will come here for the new release like for instance they're like star wars is going to be packed because A, you can have a beer, and B, a lot of people want to see Star Wars without a bunch of kids mm -hmm. in, the, in the theater and stuff. And they were like, we, we ran Toy Story 3 or whatever it was at the time. And they were like, we did good numbers on Toy Story. I was like, I would never go see Toy Story in the theater. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, even if I, I've watched every Toy Story in the comfort of my own home with my right. wife, but I, so, I would never risk a screaming child in a movie theater so ruining right, my ticket. You know, like. Right now they have National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Love Actually, Frozen, Elvis, that's the way it is. But they also have Tenant, Freaky, yeah. and The Croods, which are... So I guess it's a split between everything. Yeah, there's exactly. also barely any movies coming out now, so that doesn't help. Yeah, yeah, but, that, yeah. But, but, but that lineup is, is pretty... Except for, except for Wonder Woman, which is coming out on Christmas. Right, it's also coming out on HBO Max. Yeah. I don't, so, yeah. What is HBO... Can we explain to me what is HBO it. Max? They're a streaming service, but... Here I they have, have it. If you have Crave, you have, shouldn't you have it? Is it uh, no. Max titles will go to Crave sometimes, but not always. Yeah, because H Crave gets everything from HBO, but they don't yeah. necessarily get everything from HBO Max because mm. there's a lot of weird like HBO Max originals that are apparently not making it onto Crave. Well, and, and there's a bunch of like weird stuff, like uh, like Run the Jewels did a, a Holy Calamavote concert that was on HBO Max. Okay, <laughs> that, was, that was on Adult Swim and have... HBO Max. We have too many streaming services. I I will say There's though, too many, Keith. I'm not going to get HBO Max. I'm not going to get. I, I already pay for five different things to watch three shows. It's too much. <laughs> it's too much. 
like no, I don't see why. They just want your American money. They don't give a shit about like. But the thing is with HBO Max, I, it's there's also distribution deals in place with yeah. Because I think now a lot of the HBO Max uh, originals are purchases. So like HBO will go and they'll buy a movie that's already made. It's not a production of HBO, and so therefore what might happen when they go and make that movie is they sell the rights. In order to make them to raise the money to make the movie, they might sell the rights to different distribution mm-hmm. companies. That's why, like in Quebec and in yeah, like raised raised by wolves, I feel is one of them. That is not like that's why it's an HBO Max thing because like Ridley Scott just was like, I'm making a weird Android thing. Yeah. Someone will buy it, and and, and, <laughs> that's it. and then and that and because that might be like a BBC fucking CBC co-production, it'll be on CBC eventually. But they yeah. have to respect some some contract. You know, there's all kinds of different things like that. I have one of my many jobs, even though right now I'm unemployed, um, yeah. do like market research, I guess, of Canadian TV market research for a company in the UK. So I have to keep abreast of everything that is done in Canada, even though I don't watch any of it. And <laughs> there are a lot of shows that are essentially CBC shows, but that are also BBC shows or, you know, whatever, like Sky. The Tudors was one of those, right? Yeah. Like, I, I remember when like CBC was like coming on the Tudors. I was like... And I, I forget what it's called, but like the, it happens a lot. And here we don't get that much, but it's because they can use like the tax breaks and, uh, you know, like all the stuff to like counter some of the, and, and those are the things that usually sell pretty well, you know, like in on random mass streaming services elsewhere in the world, like whatever the, it, the Italian version of two point TV is, they might <laughs> buy the CBC show. And so it's interesting yeah. because it does create like a different Canon elsewhere, mm-hmm. you know, like, if you're only subscribed to Two Point TV, you don't get any like HBO shows, but you might think that whatever, like some like BBC costume drama, is the crown to you because <laughs> you <can't laughs> well, yeah, so much you know, and so that's kind of interesting in a way because it it you know like uh, it decentralizes yeah, like TV and it doesn't have to be TV doesn't have to be on TV when it's on you know yeah. it doesn't have to be yeah. from the country that you're from it have to be but, in your, it's very mm-hmm. interesting. Well, my I think worry, we saw we saw that a little bit. Though. I was gonna say we saw a little bit of that on Netflix with Money Heist, where like Money yeah. Heist somehow became like an international sensation, despite it not being yeah. like a North American production. But, but that was only lucky because it, it, the first season kind of came out before Netflix had like maximized their international production, because yeah. now there's a new Netflix show in from wherever in the world every week. Sometimes yeah. two, there's three. And so some of them might be good, but now there's just too much content. So they're not banking on us watching it. They're banking on people in Spain or Nigeria who are going to watch it because we, they don't even consider us in there, but we can watch it. That's the thing. That's also, I find really fascinating is like, I can turn on my TV and I can watch like whatever, like the equivalent of um, bulk cop, bad cop is for India. Yeah. You know, and I wouldn't, I watched a weird, like we we watched a bit of an Italian, like an Italian teenage drama. (laughs) <laughs> like like some well, like high school high school high school drama style like Gossip Girl or whatever, but it's can like I the ask, Italian of that. Can I, ask, can I ask you a question about that, Keith? Sure. Why? Because <laughs> um okay, I I enjoy like teen dramas. I think that's I uh, okay. I, I mean I've watched all of Gossip lot, Girl. A lot to unpack there. A lot to unpack <laughs> there. That's... Uh, uh, I I mean when okay so. 
We're gonna have a whole episode just on that. There's no guest. Yeah, it's just yeah. you talking. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna pause the recording. No, no, don't. We're on. No, a roll. no, 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 no. You're just using this so opportunity to get out of this track of conversation. I promise you, we'll talk about this. I just don't want to lose the the file. Seems evasive. Don't edit this. Sorry. Don't sorry. you fucking edit this. I'm gonna keep it. We're gonna. I promise you, we're gonna talk about teenage dramas that I watched. And now, and now we're back, and we definitely won't be talking about teen dramas. <laughs> no, probably in not. Italian. In Italian. They're rebooting Gossip Girl, you guys. I've never this watched is... a single second of it. I have no idea what it entails. I could. I cannot recommend it. Like, Keith, as, have you watched? Have you watched Cobra Kai? Uh, we started. Like, we're it's our lunchtime movie. Like, we watched. Okay. Uh, you don't have. You don't sound enthused about it. You're not. Okay it, it's just okay, it. like it seemed like it was low hanging fruit, like like and and so far it's just like it seems like it's pandering to me a lot. Isn't that what you want though? Like sometimes, no, sometimes the best, sometimes the best thing you can watch is exactly the thing you think it's going to be. Sometimes Hallmark. You need, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the small town waitress falls in love with the big city lawyer who's back in town to bury his mother's ashes, and that's exactly what we need. But I was, I enjoy Cobra Kai. It's a dumb, made for teenager TV show that appeals to my nostalgia. It's made in the whole plot, the dialogue. It's made for like sixteen-year-olds to follow. It's not nuanced I, in any kind of way. It's very, or is it just? Yeah, is it very, just done in the style of the Karate Kid films? And then no, it's that's... just it's it has like this stupid, like very linear, unmistakable kind of pattern, and it's very there's something very satisfying about that. Yeah, you know what I mean. So the reason I so the reason I ended up watching Gossip Girl is I used to I used to live with Walter's uh, wife before uh, she was married to Walter, uh, Catherine, and they she her and uh, my roommate at the time Leah used to watch a lot of the OC. So I like I, I don't think I've really ever sat down and watched an OC for start to finish, but I'm pretty sure I've seen every episode of the OC kind of thing. Okay. Cause it yeah. was like, this was, this is right. back in the, and it was like, and especially we were all in college and whatever else. So it was like, I remember they, I think they would tape <laughs> the episodes. So then like inevitably that week's episode of the OC would probably watch two or three times because things were different back in the day before streaming services <laughs> where it was like, you'd be like, Leo would watch it. Then Catherine would watch it. Then Kim would come over and she hadn't seen this week's episode. So they'd put it on. So it was like in the span of the week, it would be put in the VCR and played probably like three or four times. Just like VCR. Cause yeah, there wasn't, I mean, it was like you were taped it off the TV, <clears throat> you know? <laughs> Uh, and then when Sarah and I started dating, I forget what it was, but there was a couple of us, like we were in like a, like a, in a friend circle who were like, let's start watching Gossip Girl. And then I got totally transfixed by it because it takes like the, what would normally be like the plot of an entire season of a show and just crams it into like one or two episodes. It's like, like a character like runs away from home. Like, and this is like the C story. A character will run away from home, end up with like a drug problem, then that get discovered by the fashion industry and put on like a garbage, like chic fashion show in the span of two episodes. <laughs> you know, when you're like, you're right. like, whoa, you're like, that's a roller coaster. And that's again, not the main plot, right? Like, yeah. that's like, that's a C story that's just happening. Like, everything that's is like I... running at 100 miles an hour, and they're just like, there's, there's nothing happening except plot. That's, <laughs> like, how I, that's how I felt about Money Heist. Like, watching Money Heist is like the main character is the detective. Like, everything that could happen to a character in a piece of fiction happens to this woman. 
Yeah. Like literally like abusive dad or like abusive partner. And she's a discipline and internal affairs. And she lives with her mom and she falls in love with the robbers and they're trying to flip her. And it's like literally like everything that could ever happen yeah. to a character happens. You guys are, this is, I don't watch any TV anymore. What? <laughs> um, I only watch his movies. movies. I only watch wow. because I have to like buy, I have to watch like for work and for my podcast pretty much a movie every day. And so who could find the time when you're going through all this I don't want to watch TV. And so and so what would happen before is with my ex-girlfriend who I lived with, she would watch shows when I was away at the movie theater watching a movie. So yeah. then she would be like seven episodes in, so I'd be like, well, I'm not going to catch up on this show. And so I, I don't have like a uh, solo TV watching beat. It doesn't exist mm-hmm. to me. I've never done mm-hmm. it in my entire life. And so now I don't watch those by myself. And, and I think what I like about movies is that if it sucks, it's two hours and then it's out of my life. Never have to think about it ever again. Whereas That's like fair. people people who are like, oh, I'm watching the show. It's like, I'm like, I, so I, the last, the time that I got really like disillusioned with um, TV shows is the, is it called The Outsider? The Stephen King one with Jason Bateman and like Cynthia Revo. It's an uh, HBO yeah, Stephen King yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Where I was like, the first episode was really good, and then I it, it just like was tr- treading water for five episodes, and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I hate this. I hate that this is like, and it was not like I wanted to know what was going to happen, but it was just yeah. like taking me for a ride, and I was like, no, you know what? No, thank you. No one takes me for a ride. That's the thing exactly. that I feel that a lot of people don't uh, like understand about television is that you can stop Mm. like for us for us castle rock i was like i was down and then it did the same thing which i think is maybe just a a function of taking like a stephen king piece and trying to extend it yeah whatever it's because it's 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 uh you know when you make a movie from a book you have to cut out so much of it and then people watch it and they're like there's so much stuff that wasn't in the book yeah then the show just gives you everything that's in the book and you're like this is too much stuff yeah, like, yeah. Castle, I fucking Castle, hate this. I don't need to watch all of this no- bullshit. Castle Rock is even more insane. I don't know if either of you are familiar, but like, I'm, I'm vaguely no. familiar with the concept, and it seems exhausting just to know. Yeah, the concept, it's way too you know? much. You're like, yeah. like, uh, and and then when you talk about like pandering to you, like it's it's full of like Stephen King Easter eggs, right? That. Like it, I, you don't necessarily need to know, but like at the same time, you're like, oh, there's a dog, and it's maybe this is the Cujo, and then maybe this is that. And maybe so it's like, and like, like, no. and to to be fair, it doesn't do the thing that like uh, like Ready Player One does, where it's just throwing stuff <laughs> right. at you that you're supposed to catch. Like That's it, it shit. actually, Ready Player One is a movie that I fucking hate. I hate yeah. watching it. The experience of watching it to me is everything that I don't like about life. So, I was gonna say it's like watching uh it's like watching one of those like um like a like a Japanese gum commercial right. for like two hours. Or like you know the equivalent I it's interesting because maybe I could talk about this movie that I saw, it's coming out tomorrow, but um like any movie where the vibe of it is like sort of like that Simpsons poster, but it's in the style of the Sopranos, where it's like these are two things that you know. I'm like, oh no, thank you. Keep those yeah. two things separate, and so because it's, I saw Fat Man. Have you heard of Fat Man? No, but I would. I will tell you that I think this came up from the Looney Tunes dressed in baggy clothing genre style yes, in the nineties. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> this is but what. Why wouldn't you wear a T-shirt with Bugs Bunny wearing 
you know, like wrapper clothes. Right. Don't you get it? With bling directly glued on. Isn't that crazy? Do you like Looney Tunes? Do you like hip hop? Smash. But so Fat Man, if you've not heard of this movie, it's a Canadian movie. It comes out on VOD tomorrow. Okay. And it stars Mel Gibson as Santa Claus. I'm okay. out. Who is a old, <laughs> old, grizzled, tired Santa Claus who is losing his uh, subsidies from the government because the government subsidies Santa Claus to give uh, gifts to the the children, but there are not enough good children anymore. Children are no longer being good, so they're not they don't deserve any presents. So he takes a contract from the American government to make parts for fighter pilot jets. Um, and so he's making the, it's not a show, it's a movie. And then there's a little kid who gets a lump of coal in his stocking, so he hires Walton Goggins to take a hit out on Santa Claus. Walton Goggins is a hitman who's going to go to the North Pole and kill Mel Gibson Santa Claus, uh-huh. who who's never called Santa Claus, he's called Chris Kringle, and he never wears like a fucking Santa Claus suit. Um, and so you're like, I'm sure you're thinking of a vibe of movie. It's not this. It's a very serious movie about a man who has to reorient his business to, you know, kind of sell out to the government. And then there's a guy trying to kill him. And and that to me is like, it's like a Kevin Smith pitch. You know, it's like, oh, what if Santa, because Santa really works for the government, man. What if someone <laughs> put a hit out on Santa? And then I'm like, and that's what the movie is. The movie exists. They made this fucking movie and it exists. And and it's okay. Like I watched it and I was like, you know, this is not that bad. You know, I it's sort of clever and it's not it's not like offensive. But I was like, why? The only reason this movie exists is because some people were like, well, what if someone put a hit out on Santa? What if what if Santa was tired because kids aren't nice anymore? Kids, you know, they're on TikTok and they're and so they made the movie, and the fact that the movie exists is the only good thing about the movie. You know what I mean? Like the movie, <laughs> like the fact that someone be... can have a have an idea and see it through, exactly, is, is, is more impressive than the. It actual doesn't have film to be itself. good. It doesn't have to be anything. Like it's gonna live forever as this punchline of like this is the Mel Gibson Santa fucking military contractor movie, and and so that's I what I don't like. I I mean, and I and I think this movie is actually not that bad. It's like pretty useless, but. I think we may have had this conversation before on this very podcast, but for me, that movie will always be Southland Tales. Right. And I'm I'm in like absolute awe of it existing. <laughs> right. I'm sure we've <laughs> talked about this because I talk about Southland Tales a lot. Because yeah. it's such it's such like poorly conceived insanity. Right. That is delivered with like such a high budget. <laughs> You know, and, and, and like, like very very serious it takes itself very seriously in 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 an absurd way like like right. in, a, in a like sherry o'terry will just be on rollerblades the whole time yeah, yeah. Then... john lovitz is a racist cop he kills a guy and then the pixies plays while he walks away in slow motion yeah. and you're like <laughs> exactly like yes, every scene okay. in the film and then you're you like, thought oh, of it and now it exists that's pretty dope. i knew i knew you didn't kill yourself because you're a pimp and pimps don't commit suicide delivered with zero irony exactly and then Justin Timberlake uh, performing the "I Got Soul" song by the Killers. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's a. It's not like it's a pretty weird and like not very um, like rhythmically or whatever pace wise is not a great movie. But I think the fact that it exists. But th- that's the same thing with Fat Man. Is it's just that it's like I could see them connecting all the dots. Whereas Southland Tales, I don't see, I don't even know there were these fucking dots, and now you're connecting them. Whereas, yeah, and it's supposed to be, and it starts off too, like volume five of the Southland Tales. 
Exactly. <laughs> and apparently, what's his name? The it's it's the Donnie Darko guy. Uh, yeah, Richard Kelly. Richard Kelly. I was like, I was like, is it Richard Kelly? Um, yeah. And apparently, Richard Kelly wrote a ton of things in this verse. Yeah, he wrote comic books and he wrote like, yeah, there's a whole thing. Yeah, but, that he had this entire crazy backstory and he yeah, just was like, see, Fat Man is not that. Fat Man is a much more like Tusk to me, which is just kind of like, I thought of a thing that is stupid. And like, the thing is, you know, we sit around with our friends, like, you know, we, we could sit around and invent movies and be like, I wish this movie existed. But the thing is, we don't wish this movie actually existed. It's great to talk about it. We don't actually want to see it because whenever I see it, I'm like, oh, no, this was a fucking miscalculation. Yeah. We should not have done this. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> I don't but, like Hollywood doesn't care. You know, look at I mean, cats. Fat Man is Canadian, so it's not even Hollywood. So uh, we, we uh, can exactly. only blame that, Canada for this one. Yeah, uh, that was my uh, my friend who got very stoned and watched cats was was blown away by cats. Because then there was a moment uh, when she was very stoned where she was like, movies can be anything now. They don't even, <laughs> she's like, they don't yeah. even need like characters or stories or anything. Well, <laughs> they've always been that way, I have to tell you. Like, it's just that the, we forget about these things and then we don't watch them ever again. But yeah. This has always been the case. So I suppose. Um, before we get to five questions, though, uh, mm-hmm. you do, I guess, have stuff to plug. You mentioned a couple times uh, you have a whole French podcast situation. Yeah, it's called where you talk about movies. movies. Yeah, it's once a week. It used to be that it was we we would tape it because I would have to go uh, review a movie on Wednesdays, and then we would just go to the bar and talk about it. We would tape ourselves talk about it. That, that, that that's the Yannick Basile uh, podcast yeah. origin story. That's how all of his podcasts start. Exactly. He's <laughs> just hanging out at a bar talking, and then turn that into a podcast. Exactly. <laughs> and, and so, but now that doesn't really. It's no longer possible because mm-hmm. uh, there are no more bars or movie theaters. So now we just pick movies. You know, usually that are pretty easy to find on streaming, but sometimes not. Like we'll go. Through some themes or whatever we talk, it's, it's it's you know it's conversation. It's a little more structured now than it used to be when we were just you know talking about having just seen a movie and like the disadvantage of of the pandemic is that we don't usually come out of a movie and record the podcast immediately after. Mm-hmm. But it's uh but we get to talk about more interesting movies. You know sometimes. Um, the movies are not so, <laughs> you know, you, there's nothing to talk about and you decide to do a podcast on Bloodshot or whatever with Vin Diesel or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so that's once a week. It comes out on Wednesdays usually. You can get it at voyeldevue.com. Um, it's on the Patreon, on the Trois Bières Patreon. So if you want to get it in your app, you have to pay for it, but you can listen mm-hmm. to it directly on the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then cultmontreal.com, which is where I, I you can write, uh, where you can read me talk about Fat Man tomorrow, or actually it'll be out by the time uh, Two days ago. this comes out. Yeah, um, yeah. So there's you know not that much action on cult these days because it's there's not, there's not many movies going on, but there are there are movie there are um, film festivals. So like the RDM and Cinemania were just RDM is still on Cinemania. I think just ended. Um, you know, there's there's stuff on there. There's also other stuff, you know, record yeah. reviews. I do record reviews once in a while too. Up and then you can or just for fun. Uh, no, for cult. Cool. You can go to I've my Instagram if you want to see literally every record that I own. I don't know if you follow. I think Keith. I do. Him. I follow you on Instagram <laughs> if you want to see a lot of pictures of records. <laughs> <laughs> That's the I, um, Instagram at the beginning of the so at the beginning of the pandemic when um, we were locked in. I have. Three th- about the three thousand three hundred records more or less, and mm-hmm. I did, and and I was like you know that's kind of the thing that's always comes up is like 
when are you ever going to listen to all of these? Like you have so many records. And I was like, like, I don't have down. anywhere else to go. Let me try to listen to all of these. And um, so I'm, I've been working on this for, I don't know, like nine months now. Something like that. Are you only listening to stuff you haven't listened to before? No, I, everything is getting listened to. Uh, except if I put a picture of it on Instagram, like in the beginning. Because I used to sometimes, pardon me, when I was working from home, would put pictures of the records I was listening to that day. So those don't repeat, but everything else comes out. Uh, so um, I, usually a good day is 12 records a day, but that means I have to get up in the morning and only listen to records. So you can't watch a movie and listen to a record. But uh, some about, I would say I'm about two thirds of the way through now, the records. I, I had originally calculated that it would take me a little past Christmas, but I think it might take longer than that now. So okay, we'll see. <laughs> most, most people hate it. Everyone who follows me on Instagram to see pictures of my life is just like, will you stop with these fucking records? Like, <laughs> and every time I'm like, th- now we don't hang out with them, but in the summer, if I was hanging out with people at the park or whatever, and they would take out their phone automatically, the first thing when they open Instagram is always a picture of one of my records. <laughs> so I know you're all seeing them and not liking them. That's okay. I'm okay with that. Now I just oh, I'm gonna say I'm not gonna throw a like to you for it, but I do. I occasionally pause, if and like I'm just checking out the album art usually. Right. Like if the art <laughs> if the art catches my eye, I'm like, what's this? But like sometimes when it's just like pictures of a guy or whatever, I'm like, pass. <laughs> <laughs> just like it's what it, it's what a feed is for, man. You're just scrolling by exactly. Like, while, exactly. While you go, and sometimes I see something weird and like trippy. I was like, oh, who's this? Right. And just go through it. Are you? It's, but is there a is there a is there a method to the order? Like, uh, yeah, or well, are you just like, no, they're well, the, the, the records are set up in uh, genre configurations that are sort of um, vague and uh, ones that I understand, but I would find maybe difficult to explain to others. Sure. Uh, but at the beginning, there were 16 genres, and now many of those uh, are gone. Now I'm more like at 10 genres, okay. and they're just like in like kind of like a claw or like left to right in my apartment. Like I'll just go. So, but like, but you'll go from like genre to genre to genre, yeah. or you stick and to a genre alphabetically, all day. alphabetically in the genre. I did that so that I wouldn't have to listen to like 27 Bob Dylan records in the same day, you know, so <laughs> you just or anyone that I have like too many art, like any artists that I have too many of that I was like, I can't be listening to this for four days in a row. Like I'll go crazy. Yeah. So I split it up. By probably genres. For the, yeah, probably for the best. Uh, so Alex, since the last time you were on the show, I looked, I looked it up uh, was 2018. Ooh. Uh, Cause you did, uh, you did some Fantasia stuff with us in 2019. Yeah. Right. That wasn't a proper go plug. Yourself. There were no questions and stuff. Like yeah, that. exactly. We were just talking about Fantasia movies. Well, I mean, I guess, yeah, we didn't really talk about it on the show and we're winding down. But like, I don't know. I thought that the Fantasia, like, I mean, I guess I was like, I made the joke of I was living the Alex Rose experience, just staying at home watching Fantasia. Yeah. Everybody, everybody got to have the Alex Rose Fantasia. Yeah, there you go. This year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I liked, and I will say, uh, I know a lot of people like gave it flack and stuff like in, in the comments and whatever, but I am a fan of anything that even if it's not live, but like time sensitive streams, right. I feel that like it, it puts a little like gloss of specialness mm-hmm. on yeah. it of just being like, oh, like you like, here's like this movie that you can watch forever. But I'm like, no, here's a movie that I need to like plan my day around and right. sit down at nine o'clock. Something about it, like my brain was just like, woo, gets like giddy. Mm-hmm. in a way that it doesn't normally for like streaming service like i don't know why but uh for i like sure. those i thought and i thought that it, it did a, a bit of a uh um i guess a bit of a capturing some of the film fest hype mm. 
of like I'm watching this premiere at the actual yeah. premiere yeah. time, you know? Like, yeah, I, I only watched them. By, I didn't watch anything in the uh, the allotted time. It was all screeners for me. Mm-hmm. So, oh yeah, you, know, you have the, the, mean, the pro star yeah. connects, but yeah, yeah, watching the a lot of time, it was it was kind of fun. Not not that not that I did watched on Twitter. Like I knew that there were like whatever somehow like chats or something going on. People were telling me yeah. like, oh, you, you could have like watch along something. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, who? I'm like, I'm watching a movie. I don't want to be like tweeting yeah, about especially it, especially if you've watched it for the first time. Like I could see a watch along of some some movie that you know you've seen before. Yeah, but. If you're like it's a world premiere of some like like Filipino horror movie, like what are you watching? What are you tweeting along? I like that Filipino horror movie, by the way. It was was there good. a Filipino horror movie? <laughs> there was one. It was or okay. it was a co production. It no. was the the Sino, it was Doctor something. Mr. Oh, something. I haven't seen yeah, I didn't see that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a, it's pretty weird and trippy. The, yeah. it, the, the ending doesn't quite land. Um <laughs> so we actually talked about this at the beginning of the show. Uh actually or Lawrence, do you want to hit the first question? You want to want to grab the first question? It would be my pleasure, Keith Eisterman. All right. Alex Rose. Yes. Question the first. What do your thoughts sound like? I know. It's just like we're bringing it back without even oh, knowing. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> now that you've had an English girlfriend and a French-Canadian girlfriend. Right. What do your thoughts sound like? But they've all... It has nothing to do, really, with <laughs> the... The girlfriend at the time it's really like or, or who i'm talking to like i think my thoughts depend on what i'm thinking about because it's i'm so used to learning or like you know like serious topics being in english because i went to school in english my whole life and whereas like so, like, if I'm insulting you, I'm more likely to do it in French. <laughs> but because, if like, I'm, the teacher can't hear you. It's more right. playful and light. <laughs> but if I'm trying to be intelligent and, like, have, like, structured thought or whatever, then it'll be in English because that's how I was learned how to think or, like, you know, express myself, like, thoughtfully. Hmm. Um, so you have a business language and a party language. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that that's, the, that's properly, uh, yeah. This is a little dark. Uh, but what language were the first thoughts that you had when you came uh, after you got hit by a car? Was it in Jesus English? Jesus Christ. Uh, I know. I'm just wondering, I was, though. I was speaking French when I was on the car. Okay. So I'm wondering what your adrenaline language is, like your 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 fight or flight language. So. Uh, that's a fair question. <laughs> you know? Like, like, you should have put, put that differently because when my girlfriend is really mad... The English goes away, like it melts, like the part of her brain that controls English shuts the fuck down. Like even halfway since she says, why did you bouge and then you fucking go on the rant? It's always, it's gone. Yeah. Um, French, I think, is my fight or flight language, yeah. Okay. So it was like you were, you were like, go get my phone and whatever. It was all in French. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Uh, question number two. Uh, what was your favorite thing to eat as a child? Uh, wow. Could be snack, could be meal, could be uh, whatever. And child is I mean, obviously subjective. I know that the a lot of people must answer, I still eat like a child. And I eat, you know, like a, that must happen a lot. But um, there's a it's few matter. things. It could be your favorite food now. There's a, even well, there's you... a thing that was very, very special to me when I was a kid. And I don't eat it a lot now, but... Um, I don't know if you've ever eaten like fried shrimp chips. They're called krupuk. They're I think they're mm. Chinese or Thai or something. They're like little discs of of uh, shrimp like paste or whatever. 
and you fry them up in uh, in oil, and then they pop into like, they, and then they look like a chip. I did not know what they were called, but now that you described it, I remember like raiding uh, heaps of that at Chinese buffets. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and like, and you can buy them too, like in in bags, like like potato chips. Yeah. But my dad would make. I don't know. Like I grew up in Saguenay. I don't know where my dad. My dad bought these. Like we would come to Montreal, he would buy them at the Asian grocery store, and he would fry them. And and I didn't like shrimp when I was a kid. Like as most kids you know you like they don't smell very good so you assume they're going to taste like how they smell so you don't want to eat them i love um, shrimp as a child I don't really know. okay was i, I did but popcorn shrimp popcorn shrimp i yeah. think because it had popcorn in the name i was like Yay. and it's it's like breaded but like my parents would eat like boiled like you know like you crack the head off and like i thought that was gross oh yeah um, no, i know i would i would not down for those but like a shrimp uh yeah. either popcorn shrimp or a shrimp ring shrimp right. ring with like that was didn't have any shells and like the sauce in the middle right, right, right. i would devour that shit as a kid but so my dad would make those and they were very like uh very special you know and they were even though they were just like a shitty like junk food like street food thing um and it was always like a big deal when like when my dad would make them and also i thought that they were great because they were like the kind of shrimp that i would accept in my life you know <laughs> as opposed to the other shrimp that my parents would eat that i would think was shitty and I, I was not a fan of because so did you ever uh and this is when you were talking about this uh you awoken like a memory that i wasn't even aware of right until you were bringing this out but i remember doing it as a kid at the chinese buffets because by when we have a long history of going to chinese buffets uh because there was one on the south shore that was near my aunt and my great aunt and uncle's okay. place and they like it was like a fan like i say a fancy one but it was like one of the ones with like all the all the trimmings you know, like, sure. like the big, the big gold lions and right. like all of like the entire, like there was a koi pond mm-hmm. and whatever, like, and it was like the best. It was like a miniature Disney world in my mind. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like you just, there's so much to like look at like and just go to. But anyway, but if you put those things, you're saying they're Krupuk? Yeah. Krupuk, That's how we whatever. called them when I was a kid, Krupuk. I have no like, idea what they're actually called, but like if you put those shrimp t- chips on your tongue, they're very dry. It makes yeah. like a sizzling and a popping noise. Right. Yes. As it, as it touches the wetness of your tongue. And I would do that yeah. all the time. So just be like, especially if, if they're super hot, like they're right off the oil too. Like they're uh-huh. like very, uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause they, they basically don't exist for very long. Like you put, if you put any moisture on this, it'll just, yeah, they dissolve. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that was, I don't know if it was my favorite thing to eat when I was a kid. Um, you know, but I I have fond memories of eating that. Like it was a very special thing to eat, and I have some. I bought some like not that long ago. I have some in my pantry now, and I I've just not thought of making them. So. <laughs> oh no! Question question number, question number three, Alex Rose. What is the yes. best or worst thing about growing up? Hmm. I feel that having 3,000 records is probably one of the best things. <laughs> freedom. <laughs> I think freedom. Like, I, I think that... So that's something that comes up a lot, I think, when I watch teen movies or, like, movies about childhood for for work, is that, like, if a, a teen movie... If the kids don't seem like they have any constraints and they're just kind of doing whatever they want all the time, then to me it's not realistic and that's not what childhood is about. To me, childhood and, and a certain level of teenage them i didn't grow up in the city so you know to me getting anywhere going anywhere there was no real way to do that i think that um getting growing up and having freedom is 
to me, it really outweighs all the other things that are bad, like taxes or whatever, and like paying rent and, <laughs> and all that shit. Like, because, because you don't like everything is guided when you're a kid by what you can and cannot do that is of no, that you don't control. Yeah. You know, you have to ask your mom, can I do this? No. So you can't do it. If you do it, you're in trouble. And then you, it's like you should never have done it in the first place. And so, and so when I make a mistake now, I do something stupid. No one, admonishes me for it but i feel bad because i've spent all my money or whatever the fuck. <laughs> and and so like being in touch with that feeling and like kind of controlling this like this punishment mm-hmm. within the that aura of freedom or whatever i think is is great like i love it like i think that it's the thing that depresses me the most about like i said like watching teenage movies is just like oh they can't fucking go anywhere they could solve all these problems if they could just get the fuck out move out go somewhere else you know right but they're stuck in this thing and you have to finish school and you're not old enough to get your own thing and you're probably too stupid anyway but like at least the possibility of being able to make it on your own um and like, and I say this as someone who like, you know, I moved out here. I was, I was very young, but I lived with my grandma for like a couple of years. So like my freedom came at the same time as most people's freedom came when they moved out for the first time. Like, mm-hmm. but even that, like even living with my grandma and having like, you know, my grandma, you know, did my laundry and fed me and stuff, but I wasn't, I didn't have to call her and say like, I'm not coming home or I'm here, I'm there. Just that freedom was so much better than what I had to do before. <laughs> like I thought it was so much more um, freeing that I like that's that I wouldn't trade that for even the fact that I don't have I would have to not pay rent or work or anything like that. Freedom. I can't remember the name of the movie, but I saw the trailer for it and it looked really interesting. And I was going to ask you about it, the just because everything you were saying seemed a lot like the trailer. There's a movie that either just came out or is about to come out. Uh, about like these like I guess they they look to you about like maybe twelve or thirteen years old maybe a little older trying to get into like a club and apparently like the entire film is just these like kids who want to get into a club who are like to be cool and it's like set in the like nineties and oh, I don't know that it becomes like a weird and from from the the trailer and stuff it looks like it's a weird like existential childhood waiting for Godot moment of these kids who just want to get into a club to be cool. <laughs> and like they're obviously not 18 and they're not yeah. 18 it's like the bouncer's like well we'll sneak you in the back when it starts so it's right. just like the entire thing is like just these kids and, and and from the trailer it seems exactly what you're talking about is just like how shitty it is to be a kid <laughs> you know yeah. like you just and you're like and and like and that's one of the things is it's like they're all risking being in trouble just being there and they haven't even gotten in yet yeah you know, and I was, I was like, what a shitty time to be alive. Well, that's, I feel, <laughs> I feel like that's what, like, and I was like, not really a troublemaker, but, you know, we were like somewhat delinquents, you know, like setting things on fire and stuff. And it's like, and you were in Sagne. So. Yeah. And, and I talked to people here, like my, to my, you know, even my girlfriend who like, you know, was a rebellious teenager. 18 to party. 18 to party. And she's song. like, she'll never say like, oh, we were setting shit on fire. We were like setting the fucking football field. Like only I did this. And so I think that really imprinted on me a lot. Like just setting things on fire or like stealing, egging people's houses and stuff. Just because, not because I hated them. Not because of anything other than like, I don't want to watch Evil Dead again. I don't want to <laughs> sit here and play I video games. In- I grew up in the suburbs and we did a lot of dumb shit like that. And Sarah, Sarah's often like, she's like, you're, you, I can't believe you and your friends are monsters, whatever. You can't <laughs> believe you did. Like, I was like, 
No, we were just bored. Like you're just all that. The drugs were so far. Like we we wanted to get drugs, and it was so complicated. <laughs> so like in the city, I think you, it's like fairly easy to get a hold of drugs, but but like, and thing, in a small enough town, it's even hard to get alcohol, right? Yeah. Like, if people know you, you're like, let's right. wait for someone who doesn't know us. Yeah, exactly. Try to get them to buy us some beer or yeah. whatever. Like, you have no freedom. You have no. You can't decide. <laughs> you don't have any control over what you do, and. and so and like that's depending on how old you are too you don't have any money so you're like i'm gonna go rent a movie and then you have to go ask your mom can i have four dollars to rent the movie and she's like no you're like oh fuck that was my only option i don't know what to do now. <laughs> like Here, how about like, this how about this okay you can rent the movie and then you're like i need to return it yeah. and then they're like oh, we don't have time <laughs> yeah and then you can't return it and then somehow <laughs> your parents are like you owe me money yeah and i'm like i'm like well, i was like this is all of your own doing <laughs> Yeah, like, you you didn't tell me to return it. Whatever. Yeah, 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 exactly. So freedom, I think, is the best thing about growing up. I think I agreed. Um, so last week uh, or last episode, we got real political uh, with Dave Kaufman from CJD uh, deconstructing de- the election that is still apparently ongoing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but he wanted to know uh, what's the most important piece of advice you've ever been given, and who gave it to you. I couldn't actually remember who gave me uh, the good advice. So I'm, uh, if you can't remember it, if you just know someone gave you good advice. Yeah. Um, but I mean, but if you can, if you can provide a citation, that's obviously a bonus. I mean, there's a, a lot of people have given me advice and I think some of it might've been better than the one I'm about to cite. But when I was in, I had already moved to Montreal. So I was probably 18 and I was spending the summer back working, uh, living and working in Sagney and I worked in a it's all aluminum up there it was like some kind of like aluminum transformation plant and um Rio Tinto Alcan yeah but not even it's like a, a third party like like I had I had two jobs I worked in two different plants I was on call so I would go back and forth and I had this job and we were sort of like fixing up a train wagons like the the, the wagons that you put like basically molten metal in have okay. to be set up in a certain way with like uh, insulation and like like tubing to protect it, and so so because it's hot as shit and it, yeah. it just fits right in there. Mm-hmm. And so I had this job; they would roll out this fucking va- wagon onto like a uh, like a dead piece of of uh, train tracks, and then I would like all day I would just like pull away all this old insulation and put new ones in there and stuff. And it really fucking sucked. And I eventually I got fired because they thought I was a welder. So they were like, here, weld this. And I was like, oh, no, no. I'm sure you've got the wrong guy. I do not weld. But <laughs> the guy, one of the guys that I worked with, his name was Miguel, I remember. So, but he was like super excited. He was probably like Miguel Cote or something. He said, he said, don't ever do this. He said, I wanted to be a journalist. And I did this because it was less work. And I fucking hate it. He's like, don't do this. <laughs> and I thought, you know what, like, I, we were doing exactly the same shitty thing that, that like, we both hated, you know, he was, a, I think he had welding certification or whatever, but, um, and he just told me, like, don't do this, and, and it's not like I thought that I was going to be doing this, that I was going to become a welder, but it definitely, like, cemented this idea that, like, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I, I don't I, want to do this shit in my hometown, like four blocks from my parents' house, with this guy who has like a 
you know, Latinx first name, but he's from a street away and like all this sucks. And I don't yeah, like, I think that like the, the, this doesn't necessarily apply to like welding, but it just, yeah. I think that you're like, like, especially growing up in a small town, I can see that you're like, it's, if you don't make a decision, you're suddenly 50 and you're right. still there, <laughs> you know, like, and you're like, you're like, Oh, I didn't actively choose. Yeah. Yeah anything in my life <laughs> like i just i just let life happen and now i work at the yard that's five blocks away from my house and i married the girl from a year younger than me in school or whatever and you're like and if anyone here is listening and live that life and it's wonderful i apologize but i think it's just very easy to just let life happen it's fine <laughs> if that's what you want but like also at that point i had already moved away to montreal i was living in, but i wouldn't talk to these guys like I, I would work with like these construction guys and not tell them that I live in Montreal and I was studying film or whatever. Like, cause I was just like, I don't need these guys to you don't need that. Know about <laughs> me, you know, but when he told me that, you know, I was kind of like, I don't know. Like it, it cemented this idea that like, no matter what I do, like I can't, it can't get bad enough that I feel like I have to move back home. Yeah. You know, and I have to just work on that not happening. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, whatever that guy's doing, I hope he's happy. But I've never seen him again. I don't even remember really what he looks like. But I haven't. I haven't ever thought of moving back home. And, you know, now I haven't had a job in nearly a year, which is not so good. But, you know, at least I'm not fucking welding in Sagney. So. <laughs> which, I, I mean, prefer, the aluminum, you know, aluminum stuff shut down for like less than a month, right? They lobbied and got right back up. So you'd be yeah. out there welding. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, and question five, as always, is uh, what question would you like to ask to our future guest? Yeah. Do you know who the future guest is? <clears throat> no. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> we question? never do. Do I want to ask to the future guest? You know, this is the only thing that I knew for sure was going to be brought up. <laughs> I didn't I think about it. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a job interview. What's your greatest weakness? And you're like, I didn't prepare for this question. Yeah. Oh, I've, been no doing, I've been doing. I've been doing. here. It's interesting. I've been doing a lot of job interviews, and the all the one that always fucks the question that always fucks me, um, is the following, and that's the question I want to ask. I always have a stupid question when it's time for. Like, I remember once it was like, "What's your favorite Chinese restaurant?" Mm-hmm. Uh, they always ask you, how do you organize your work to make sure that you nothing slips by and that you're on top of everything that happens? So, like, what ta- what tips do you use or, like, systems do you use to be organized? And every time, they've asked me this at every single fucking interview that I've done since the pandemic has started. And every time I'm like, um, put everything in a document and then I look at it. Because I, you know, I don't know. Like, I need to find a better answer, and I hope maybe the person. Yeah, but like, and the person stands <laughs> through. You're like, no, no, no. But I'm really good at it. Look at look at this map of all of the murders. Well, like, <laughs> like <yeah>. my method. <laughs> my, exactly. My method works. And they're like, oh my These god. These six are stabbings. Like, oh, yeah, you're not. We're not letting you in the office. Now. <laughs> you're not allowed in. I've documented most of the murders in Montreal. Look at yeah. how good and meticulous. I oh, am. is that kind of a job? No, for fun. For <laughs> Fun out of boredom. <laughs> is that yeah. is that your, is that going to be your question for the That's next? That's going to be my question for real. How do you organize your work? Make sure that nothing slips by. I I will, I, will, I can take that one uh, pretty easily because uh, I do it all the time because I have attention deficit disorder. <laughs> is um, I make like series of lists. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'll have, uh, like, 
big item lists are usually in a book. It's like literally a leather on book and then which are like more like large tasks and then small item lists are on post-its that I can then like shoot away. Mm-hmm. And like, so I'll be like, what do I need to accomplish today? That's post-it stuff. What am I working on long-term? That's like leather notebook stuff. Right. And uh, between those two, that's how I make sure. And like, and if nothing's crossed off or whatever, and like, and that's if I, if I know that I have to get that done, because I also need to, um, uh, it's an, a constant uphill battle of attention deficit disorder, right. <laughs> depending, depending on uh, if I'm on like Adderall or not. If I'm on Adderall, I don't need to do anything. I just start knocking stuff out of the park, like, uh, <laughs> like, like freaking Babe Ruth there. I'm just like, everything is getting done. But if I'm not, I also know what I should be able to accomplish in a day. Right. And so I don't, and then I need to, like, sometimes I'll be like, oh, I have to work late today because um, my attention deficit disorder had me dicking around too much <laughs> or whatever. Right. And like, not overtime. I'm just like, I I should have been able to accomplish post-it today and I didn't. Mm-hmm. So I need to stay late. That's on me because that's a normal right. amount of work to get done in a day. And if I was like spaced out with ADD, I can like, I'm like, I owe the company that much time because I know how much work I should be able to do in a day. You know, like I didn't over budget myself. I, I just, I was the, I was bad in that scenario. I feel like five o'clock rolls around and there's only two things off. I'm like, no, I need right. to, <laughs> I need to get this list down to zero because that's what should be able to be done in a day. But yeah, no, it's a, it's dumb. But yeah, the, that system of writing stuff down, there's also something like tactile about it like people are like why don't you just use notepad or whatever like on your computer no idea why but it doesn't it doesn't register to me as a task as much as if i physically write it Mm. like and i know it's a bunch of waste and it's not an eco answer but well i have that like it's really stupid but the when netflix sends you a screener for a movie Mm -hmm. that's yeah they put it in your queue but then you have to put a pin in there to like access it and Every time I put the pin somewhere in my phone, I can't find it. Every time I write it down somewhere. So I just have a little fucking book and I wrote the pin. It's four four numbers. <laughs> I have to go find the little book and open it and go like, oh, that's the pin for net. Like I would memorize this four digit code, but I don't. And so instead I have to go look, find a little fucking book every time. But, you know, it works. So I, I understand that idea of the, the tactile nature. Yeah. But, but yeah, like I said, it's it's real dumb. And then I mean, if I if I was like the job interview version of that question, is I'll say that I like I do that exact same thing, but that I'll use some sort of an organizational software. Right. Like <laughs> I, I give I give a fancy high tech spin on that. But what's really happening is is writing it down. What they want me to say is the name of some software, <laughs> like you know, like yeah, exactly. So I actually use a a productivity do you, do you, software. Do you want the corporate jargon answer? What is the oh, give us give us the, the give us the the, give I, us the, the lolly I charm? I literally have been running interviews all week. The best answer <laughs> is li- well, in terms of organizing workflow, I prioritize the things that are deadline based, and then I round back to things that are not downline the deadline based to make sure that I can complete all the tasks in an effective manner. Mm-hmm. And that's the rounded answer. That's literally like the textbook. The textbook answer of like what you want to hear, whatever, to make sure that you don't spread yourself too thin and maximize your cycles. <laughs> maximize your cycles. <laughs> that's also very, very important. Uh, that's it, I think. Alex, I think uh, hit the podcast. We already said that. Voyeur, voyeur des vues. Yeah, that's correct. 
very that's that holy shit we just talked about that i by not going out into the city i've not spoken french in 2020 <laughs> like, <laughs> like like i was All like my I, fucking I, separatist listeners on the podcast are not going to be happy with that keith Gosh, yeah. <laughs> i will and the thing is is that I, i've always and i don't know what it is about conference calls but like typically speaking if i'm in a meeting and the people are speaking french I'll just answer them in French. Mm-hmm. But now that it's remote, they'll speak in French and I just answer in English. And I'm like, I don't care. This person knows English. I'm like, like I'm not expecting them. And, and like, they'll say like, oh, do you mind if I speak French? And I'm like, if you don't mind that I speak English, I'm like, we can have this conversation. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> we both understand each other. We can have this conversation fine. But I found that when I was in person, I would flip over to French a lot easier. But now that I'm like in my own house, I'm like, whatever. I'm speaking English to you now. I don't know why. Yeah, Lawrence, do you have any uh, any other any last questions? No, I'm good. I don't have anything to plug, buddy. I know. I, I, I sadly did not think you were. I gave you some reading, though. You could take a look at the list of movies in general. Yeah, that's gonna be. We need to do an episode <laughs> on this list because I have <laughs> I have some opinions. I, I have some opinions. It's, it's but it's Dude. listen. It's not like I'm not the only person who makes this list. It's a consensus committee decision for that's me. I don't. I, that's why it's it's a yeah. Really list. I, I don't. I, I don't know those other fucking guys. Who, like, they, <laughs> I can't take no it bearing. out of you. It's, it's me and you, pal. Uh, All right. Alex, thank you so much for doing this. It was awesome. Uh, I was going to talk about holiday movies, but we got all sidetracked and talked forever about other stuff. I think we uh, might have all- tried to do an episode about holiday movies in the past, and this is also what happened. Yeah, exactly. We think we did, I think we, at most, I think it was Halloween, and I think we just both said Hereditary was cool. Right. That's possible. That, <laughs> that was about it. Uh, I'm going to stop recording, but don't, but stick around for a second so we can make sure that we upload the files uploaded. Hey there, loyal listener who listens to the show all the way past the closing credits. Um, thank you for listening to Go Plug Yourself. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, if you enjoy the show, I cannot stress this enough. Please tell people about it. We don't really have a budget for marketing or fancy facebook ads or putting up billboards on the street uh we really have to rely on word of mouth which uh basically means that if you listen to the show and you enjoy the show please uh share it link it uh tell your friends about it say hey there's this show called go plug yourself they talk to montrealers or people that have stuff going on in montreal or uh just people that have stuff to uh promote that we kind of care about we can we can go outside of montreal if we want to um yeah so just tell tell people about the show it's a it's a fun show we we like doing it a lot we've done it for over 200 episodes and it's in large part thanks to support from uh people like you um if you want to support the show at all you can go to uh, patreon.com slash nine to five cc and throw a couple bucks our way it really helps with uh, the hosting fees for the most part we're really not trying to make a profit on this um and also if you want to be a guest on the show or you know someone who might uh, want to be a guest on the show you can uh, contact us either on facebook or on twitter there's a bunch of ways to find us uh and uh, and let us know and if the scheduling and the timing and everything works out maybe you can be the next person who uh comes on the show and uh plugs something a uh, big thank you as always 
to Leland Beckman and Oral Turpitude who provided our theme songs and of course a thank you to uh, all of the hosts that we have on the show uh, Walter J. Ling who is technically retired but still sometimes hosts uh, Christopher Vendito, Lawrence Korber and uh, Ines Anaya uh, all, are all amazing co-hosts and you should support them and their comedy and uh, and all of that. Uh, thank you for listening thank you for choosing Go Blog Yourself uh, as one of your from the millions of podcasts and have a beautiful day Thank you. 905.cc. Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.